When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Ho ho and welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. I am John Schmelk. Good to be back. Hope you remember me. I remember you. Sadly, we're still not live yet this week, folks. All our shows are recorded, so we won't be taking your calls. Hopefully, that'll be coming sooner rather than later. We'll keep you updated. We continue our team previews heading into the 2022 NFL season, joined by Paul Dettino. And we're going to start with someone that our good friend Paul Dettino covered when he was at the New York Football Giants for a couple time, for a couple years in the early 2000s, and now he is the radio analyst for the Detroit Lions. He is Lomas Brown. Lomas, you got John Schmelk and Paul Dettino here in swampy East Rutherford, New Jersey. How are you, man? Hope all is well. Hey, I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys doing in swampy New Jersey? <laughs> I t- I'll tell you what, Lomas, that humidity is back again. I remember when you played in Arizona, you had that dry heat out there, but uh, it's not that way in Jersey, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I tell you what, they say dry humidity. I don't care. Heat is heat, man. <laughs> so good thing I am a Floridian that hard. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. I was going to say, and you picked a good place to wind up because Detroit, not so much heat problems up there in Detroit, I don't think, right? I, I, no? I think you're okay? Hey, you, no, yeah, yeah. You're right about that, too, man. It's amazing, man. I mean, these winters get long up here, but I tell you what, the summer months up in Michigan, there's no better place that I would rather be than Michigan during the summer months. I just try to deal with the winter. Absolutely. All right, Lomas, uh, let's get into it here. And I'll start with with a very general question, and we can kind of dig into some of the details. You know, if you look at the Lions record last year, you're like, oh, that's a, not a really good year. You know, it's a, a tough way for a new coach to start. But I feel like the feeling around the franchise is very positive. And even though maybe the record wasn't what you wanted to be last year, there was a lot of progress made if you followed the team closely. Do you think that's an accurate representation of the situation? Oh, absolutely. I I think those guys did a great job of taking on Dan Campbell and that coaching staff 
personality, which is a never give up type of personality, which is I'm going to fight you to the bitter end. Um, we're never out of a game. And that's a great way to be. That's a great attitude for a team to have. And you can overcome a lot of things with that extra effort that the team seems to give. They seem to love this coaching staff. And now you seem to see the talent starting to build around there. You know, Panay Sewell. And then you look at the draft picks that we got this year. Some of the younger guys that are starting to step up in their roles. So, Yes, it's it's a fair it's a fair observation to say that the Lions are a team that, uh, despite their record, I think they're a team on the ups upward swing. I'm glad you mentioned Dan Campbell, Lomas. You played with him. I covered him. I always looked at Dan as a blue collar guy who busted his butt, was willing to earn every single thing that he got. A pros pro but also a player's coach and a great teammate. At least that's the way I always viewed him as I knew him here with the Giants. What is your assessment of how he has handled this locker room and how the guys have kind of gotten behind him as he goes into his second year as the head man in Detroit? Well, as we know, because we do know Dan, that's the type of guy he was even playing. You could just see it, man. He was just in the second year, and I was in my 15th year when I was with the Giants, but you could just kind of see the maturity that he brought there. You could see the quiet enthusiasm that he had. And then you learn on the coaches uh, like a Bill Parcells. You learn up under a Sean Payton. You know, you learn up some of the, uh, up under some of the great coaches. Some of that's going to rub off. And I'm not surprised at the way these guys fight for Dan. I'm not surprised how they led all out there for him. And the other thing, I'm not surprised how we're trying to, you know, attracting guys that now starting to want to play for the Detroit Lions, not because of the past history or anything, but what they see happening now and what they can see that's going to happen in the future. So I think the Lions are in a great spot right now. They just need to continue to build and win. I mean, winning proves everything, and winning takes care of everything, and that's the one thing that they have to continue to try to do. You know, Lomas, everything revolves around the quarterback in the NFL these days. You know that. It's a quarterback-driven league, and I feel like the front office in Detroit has done a really nice job of putting good pieces around Jared Goff. Right? You have the bookend tackles in Sewell and Decker. You have Ragnow at center, good player. Um, You have... Uh, DJ Chark you brought in. You draft uh, Jamison Williams. You have uh, Amon St. Brown with a really nice rookie year. There, are, De- DeAndre Swift is a good running back. There's some nice pieces here around Jared Goff. Is this a deal here where they're waiting to strike where the iron is hot to get that quarterback upgrade, to get that really good young quarterback in here? Or is this? Uh, does Goff have a real possibility here to lock this job down for years to come if he plays well enough this season? I mean, why not? Why not give him a full opportunity to do that? Because, you know, even if you bring in a young guy, you know, it's going to be growing pain sure. with that young guy. And this organization, this team, this city is at the point where they want to win right now. They're tired of the rebuild. They're tired of wait till next year. They want things to happen this year. So you got a great offensive line potentially, you know, a top three offensive line right now. Um, so yeah, you could put pieces behind that. The, just the pieces that you name should make this offense probably a top ten, top fifteen offense. 
just because of the offensive line that you have in front of Jared Goff. Look, over the last five games of last season, he probably was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, so again, if he could start off faster, he, if he could rally these guys around him earlier in training camp and everything, I think all that will bode well for Jared Goff this year coming up. Whether it's Williams or Swift, Lomas, do you think they're going to continue to split carries in the backfield, or would they look like one of these guys to be a bell cow, so to speak? I don't know if they have those anymore in the NFL. You know, I mean, other than right. you, you, you might have a Derrick Henry, and even him, you know, he has guys that re- leave him. Think about it, man. Back in the day when I was there, man, you had guys like Barry Emmett, Eric Dickinson, you know, Earl Campbell. You could just go on and on. They were backs. They were the backs. There wasn't no swapping. You know, but again, this is the new NFL. It's all about safety, uh, player safety, which I agree with. I think they should. And I think, man, with these younger guys, I think that, that running back by committee, I think that keeps those guys a little fresh. Plus, you keep the defense on their toes a little bit because they don't know really what's coming at them when you got a running back like Jamal Williams, a guy that can pound it between the tackles. Then you bring in a guy like DeAndre Swift, a guy that can also pound it between the tackles, but a guy that can get outside and take it to the house. So I think that's a great option to have. That's kind of like that dual threat. And as an offensive lineman, you want guys to be able to do different things in the backfield because, again, it helps you and keeps the defense kind of on their toes. When should we have our eyes out for when Jamison Williams will be able to actually hit the field? He's For the folks that don't know, he was the, he was the Lions' second first-round pick this year. They traded back up into the first round again, which I thought Lomas was a really good move, especially given what they had to give up to make that move. I really thought they had a good value deal there for that trade. When should we expect to see him on the field? Might he make an appearance in training camp? Are we talking about the pup list? When do you think he's going to be ready? You know, I would. I, I mean, I really would not. I mean, at the earliest, it would be half probably after the bye week sometime before you would see him from me, I would make sure this guy's 100% healthy because, again, you don't want a young guy. You don't want to put him out there and then say he has good nagging injuries. You don't want that to happen, a la Sammy Watkins. You, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of expectations put on his shoulder. So you want to make sure he's as healthy as possible. So if you have to wait, I mean, even if you have to reassure him this whole year, I mean, I could just see the potential in this young man and what he could bring to this offense. So make sure he's healthy before you put him out there on the field. Now, I think the Giants wish that they got their lines a little bit earlier on the schedule. Week 11, I think, will probably end up being back out there. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think so. Let, let me ask you about another guy the Giants are going to be keeping an eye on. Uh, tight end TJ Hawkinson. He's already been to one Pro Bowl in his young career. Lomas been a very productive player early on. How much better and how much more productive do you think he can be? Oh, man. I mean, the sky's the limit for that guy. I mean, he came in and I think – I know it's a young career, but he probably was in the best shape. He looked great last year. He trimmed a lot of that body fat off of him last year, um, and he looked great. He's a guy that if you can keep everybody healthy, that's just seemed to be the biggest problem with the Lions over the last couple of years is their health to their starters. But if we can keep him healthy, man, he could do so much for you in the middle of the field. You know, he could stretch the, the field. 
feel for you. You know, he's uh, probably not as athletic as Kyle Pitts, but you could use him similar to the way you use a Kyle Pitts. You know, Lamont's going to use him. So, you know, I think we the sky's the limit for this offense, the pieces that they have in it, and what can get accomplished this year. All right, Lomas, let's head over the defensive side of the ball then. And I guess we should start with who they decided to make their draft pick this year, Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, how important is, is his ability to create some pass rush here going to be for this for this line's defense? And what have you been able to see from him so far during the offseason program? Well, you know, yeah, it is going to be important for him to create pressure um, from the pass rush position. But I think as his presence alone, I think it's going to help. I think, you know, if this guy with the motor that I think he has and he's shown in college, if he comes in with that, then you're going to have the offensive line coach and you're going to be maybe sliding the line his way or keeping an extra guy in there just to, just to, you know, watch this guy. You know, so again, I just think, you know, it's really the unknown right now. And of course, he's going to have his ups, ups and downs, believe me. It's not going to be all roses. But, again, I just think his presence out there, what he brings, what he could bring to the table, especially his pure determination and his hustle, I think that alone uh, helped this uh, defense out. I love what you just talked about there, Lomas, because the people who knocked Hutchinson went to the whole thing about shorter arms. Now, my God. You know, you were a left tackle in this game for an awful long time, and you faced all kinds of pass rushers, guys who had speed moves, guys who were big and strong, guys who were better at at technique. To me, Hutchinson, great production because he's smart, he's got great technique, he's got great effort, his motor is insane. Great hands. And so, to me... I don't know that the short arm thing really is is a hurdle for him because he's got so many other intangibles that are off the charts. But I'd rather hear you analyze that issue because there are so many people who want to pick him apart because of the arm thing. Well, that, that's that's simple right there. I don't care if you got long arms or short arms. You got to know how to use those arms. I mean, that's the crazy part. I mean, really, it's it's really that simple. You know, I I, I played against guys that had extremely long arms and stuff, and you would think they would give you a lot of trouble, but they didn't know how to use them. And I played against guys with short arms that gave me a lot of problems. It's just how you use them and stuff, the tools that you have. So. To me, a lot of times when they talk about these intangibles and these little things like that, I think sometimes that's overblown. If you've seen this guy have productivity on the field, you know, over his four-year career, three-year career, however long it was, then you know, especially against some of the talent, the top ten talent in the Big Ten and going up against the SEC, then you know he can kind of, that that can possibly translate to the next level and can translate translate in a nice way. So to me, I just think it's overblown about whether a guy has good hands, you know, and all these things like that that they go over. Yeah, you have to do that. That's part of the scouting and that's part of the measurables. But I just think once you see what a guy can do on film then I think you go with that first before you go with anything else. Yeah, the tape doesn't lie, does it, Lomas? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Lomas, I want to ask you about the Lions' uh, top five pick, top three pick maybe even two years ago, Jeffrey Okuda. Obviously, he had a disappointing rookie year. Last year, he had the injury. 
Now he's coming back. Uh, he's so important to the Lions' success in the secondary in terms of his coverage ability. Where are they in terms of Okuda? His health, I guess, number one. But then more importantly, how is the organization viewing him? Are they still viewing him as, as a shutdown corner moving forward once he gets healthy in terms of what he's shown so far in the NFL? I mean, you don't know. It's like the great unknown. You really don't know what Jeff will be able to do. His sample size is so small. I heard that he's recovered very well, fully recovered from that, I think, the Achilles that he had. Um, you know, I heard he's looking forward to this season. Um, I think he's looking forward to the challenge of living up to being the number three pick um, and proving to everybody that they were wrong, you know, the, the naysayers that they're wrong about them. So, you know, it, it, it's too early to say, really, even for us that, that have watched them over the last two years, you know, he doesn't have a sample size. I know last year in training camp, he looked great. He really looked like he was ready to take that next level. And, of course, you know, of course he gets hurt in the first, second game of the season, and that was it. So, you know, again, we don't know. That's just one of the great unknowns for the Lions. Let me go to the front seven on defense uh, because Lomas last year, uh, the Lions were in the bottom five of the NFL in defending the run. And you and I both know if, if you can't stop the run, teams are going to abuse you. What, what do you think the Lions have done to improve that part of their day? Um, you know, again, I like some of the newer guys that they have up front, some of the young guys that they have, Aline McNeil, Anzarike. I love a lot of those guys that they have up there. They got a lot of guys mixed, you know, young guys mixed with those veteran guys. And those guys, I think, going to the 4-3 defense, from the 3-4 defense, I think that's going to help the Lions a great deal this year, having that extra defense alignment out there um, and hopefully letting the linebackers be able to roam um, if they can. So I think going to the 4-3 should make a big difference with the Lions. Kind of a, a more generic question, Lomas. What part of this Lions team do you have the most confidence in that you think could be a real weapon? This year, and then what's the part of the team where you're like, you know what, I, I want to keep an eye on this. I'm a little concerned about this heading into the season where this could still be a weakness for the Lions team. Well, I'm definitely confident and feel good about the direction that the O-line is in. I mean, I love what they've done with those guys up front. They're maturing. They're getting better and better uh, each and every time that they get out on the field. So their biggest thing is health. Uh, and, again, I think with me, it might be the linebacker position that I think may be in for a struggle. I mean, you know, these guys have to uh, work on some – there's some talent in the league. Um, there's some talented coaches and offensive coordinators in the league that put their guys in position to have, you know, a lot of success. And it puts a lot of stress on your linebackers to not only defend the run but to defend the pass too. So, you know, I just think those two positions right there, linebackers, I'm going to be worried about, but the O-line, I should be good with. I want to follow up on the O-line real quick. Uh, Panay Sewell, at a bit of an up-and-down rookie year. Obviously, I'm not watching him every snap like, like you did, Lomas, but that was kind of the impression from the outside that he maybe struggled a little bit early, then he got much better as the season went along. He moved from right to left, too. What was your overall impression of Penny Sewell in his rookie year and, and what's ahead for him? 
I think he's going to be awesome. I really do. I, I'm looking forward to watching him keep getting better and better. Um, I think that for what they what he had to go through, if you think about switching position, yeah. some of the things he had to do, uh, I thought he did a great job. I don't know if I could have did that going from right to left. Um, and, again, like I say, I, I thought he did a great job. He's a super talented kid right on his feet. And, I think the kid might be better than me. I really do. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing him and stuff. And we'll by see. the way, folks, Lomas was a seven-time Pro okay. Bowler. So I, I, yeah, I, yeah, Lomas, <laughs> I need you to put the brakes on yeah. this because I think you belong in Canton. Okay, you know that. I've told you that before. You're you're a pro football hall of famer to me. You're, I know you're in the college football hall of fame, but you belong in the no, pro football hall of fame. You know that. Yeah, say that one more time. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, Lomas. I was saying we got to put the brakes on that because to me, to me, you are the biggest and most glaring omission to the pro football hall of fame. And you know how I feel about you, my friend, because I covered you. You know, you should be there. And, and those folks uh, in Canton don't know what the hell they're talking about because they saw you play, and, I, and maybe these guys just didn't watch enough of your games. My God, you were awesome, and you should be there. So let's not put this young kid in Canton yet, as Parcells used to say, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I won't. Let, let's I, I get won't you there first. Sure, let's get you good. there first. Um, I need to ask you yeah, something okay. about the O-line, though, Lomas. Because you did play with the Giants for a couple of years, including going to the Super Bowl uh, when, when obviously, we had that diff, tough game against the, the Ravens. But, but let me ask you something. We've seen now Sewell went to the right side with, with, with Detroit. We now see Evan Neal, who's played some of both sides at Alabama, now having to go to the right side with the Giants. And there's a lot of talk about how the Giants had to have to rebuild their offensive line. As it stands now, they may have four new pieces out of their starting five, come opening day. How difficult is that for a team to change out that many guys and expect to have some quick results? Because, my God, Daniel Jones is going to need some protection if he's going to get anything going this year. Yeah, well, we did it. You know, we did it, if you remember back when I was with the Giants in 2000. Yeah, you and Ziegler and Parker, Parker. the three of you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it can be done. But you got to bring in the right guys. You got to bring in guys that know their roles and guys that fit their roles. And I think that's what's been missing from the Giants, especially them building out their offensive line. You can't go out and get the same guys. You know what I'm saying? Guys have to have specialties, things that they do well, and you have to be able to put these guys in position to win. And that counts on the offensive line, too. You know, you can't have just all guys that can run block. Because, again, in pass-blocking situations, you're going to get in trouble. And vice versa, you can't do that like that. You have to be able to mix and match these guys. That's where the coach and the scout will come in at. But you got to have a system. you got to have – you know, you have to at least have a theory about how you want to run your offensive line and how you want to do it. And I'm telling you, since, it seemed like since I, we left there, they don't have theory – they don't have a theory or they don't have any uh, – any blueprint for what type of offensive line that they want to have. And that's the sad part. And I think that's why they keep struggling, even though they bring in all these high, high draft picks and they don't work out. 
they to me they don't put these guys in the system or they don't scout these guys for their system uh, before they go out and choose them. Final question for me, Lomas. I want to ask you about that 2000 season. You know, you talk to NFL players, and a lot of them will even have said to me that, you know, I'd, I'd rather not even go to the Super Bowl than go there and lose. That, that, that's just like the worst thing in the world to me. So what, what are your memories of that year? Do you have like, it, it, does it go right to the Super Bowl and you just get angry? Did you like, do uh, the thoughts go back to enjoying the ride and the process of getting there? What are your ultimate takeaways and memories from that 2000 Giants season when you guys got to the Super Bowl against the Ravens? Well, I tell you what, to be honest with you, I haven't watched that film yet. I, I swear, I haven't watched I believe that, you. that Super Bowl. I watched the championship game. I watched the divisional game against Philadelphia. Uh, I watched the Minnesota game, but I have never sat and just sat down and watched the uh, Giants Super Bowl loss to the Baltimore Ravens. That's how bad it hurt me. Even after winning the Super Bowl, you know, that's one of the things that kind of stings me. You know, anytime I hear Ray Lewis' name or hear some of those guys back from that team um, name. But, um, yeah, so – but I'm, I'm glad I got there. I mean, that was the first time I ever got to a Super Bowl. I had a wonderful way of getting there. That was one of probably the best years of my life, um, that year in 2000 in New York. When you win it in New York, there's no better place to be. So – I enjoyed the ride. It's just the results is what stings, and that's what hurt even after all these years later, man. I still I can't even wear the ring, you know. I can't. I don't. I I, I know where it's at, but I don't know where it's at. You know. <laughs> no, I so hear you. Kind of like that. <laughs> you know. You know, Lomas. I think that year I had you down for only giving up a sack and a half, and I thought you should have gone to the Pro Bowl. Let me just tell you that. And and then in that in that game against Baltimore, I thought the offensive game plan left a lot to be desired. Let me just throw that at you too, because that game should have been a hell of a lot closer than it was. And you and I both know what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, it, it should have been. You're right about that. It was. And remember, I think wasn't that the first week we went to, or the first year they went back to one week in between mm-hmm. or two weeks. I forgot. I can't even remember, but we were, you know, that was the first year they went back to, I think, the two-week break. And I know with all the momentum we had coming off that Minnesota Viking game, we probably could have played that next week. It might have been a better game. But you can't take nothing away from Baltimore. That's probably one of the best defenses. Other than that, I think the 85 Bears and maybe the 86, 87 Giants that I played against, I think that probably was the best defense, you know, that I've ever played up against, other than going up against my 2002 uh, Tampa Bay defense, too. Lomas, great stuff. We really appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, Anything you want to tell the folks about that you're into, charities, anything like that, the floor is yours, anything you want to promote, it's all yours. Well, well, no, it's just, uh, again, you know, uh, I have my Lomas Brown Jr. Foundation back here in Detroit. We're doing some wonderful things. That's where I'm at right now at one of my educational camps right now. So I, I implore everybody to keep pouring into the youth. We need to pour into our youth of the day. So that's my message. Thank you, Lomas. Appreciate the time, my friend. Great to talk to you again, Take Lomas. Care. We'll see you soon. Be well. Okay, bye-bye. Former Giants offensive tackle, seven-time Pro Bowler, now Lions radio analyst Lomas Brown joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Paul, what was wrong with the offensive game plan in 2000? Uh, They were not aggressive enough and didn't attack. 
they allowed Ray Lewis to run rampant and destroy them from the very get-go. He made like Sam Huff used to do to Jim Brown and attached himself to Tiki Barber and totally took Tiki out of the game. Their pass rush was just vicious, and Kerry Collins had nothing nothing to throw to. Um, it was a very passive, conservative game plan. And the thing that was destructive about it is that in the NFC Championship game, when they shut out Minnesota 41 nothing, they attacked. Yeah, sure. They came out and attacked. So you think you needed more of a downfield passing game in that game? They, they needed, in principle, not even that, John, not even that, what the Giants scouts had found out from watching the Ravens is that if you continue to pay passively and try to avoid Ray Lewis, you were making a mistake. Because if you allowed him to roam, he would kill you. You had to run right at him. You had to put a hat on him. The problem is that they had Sam Adams and Tony Saragusa at the defensive tackle. Okay. So, so the game plan, as it wound up coming into play that Sunday, they decided not to to go at Ray Lewis and not to go straight ahead and not to try to play power football and okay. at least attempt to outmuscle them, they decided to do everything to the perimeters. You could not play to the perimeters against the Ravens. You had to try to at least get into a fist fight with them and take your chances with a fist fight. They tried to play a finesse game against them, which was a huge, huge mistake. Now, I have a question for you. The second question. I was going to say, I was going to bring it up when Lomas was on, but I figured I'll wait. You said Lomas is the number one on your list for people not in the Hall of Fame. It's it's a glaring He's omission. above Phil Sims. Oh, if you look at the <laughs> overall. Well, Phil, Phil is my favorite all-time well, player. I know. That's why I'm asking you the question. But if you look at the credentials, Lomas Brown's credentials just they stack up from here to the top of the Empire State Building. I have no problem with Lomas Brown. I mean, I, not only uh, you mentioned what seven-time All-Pro. I want to say first or second-team AP All NFL probably five times. That, I know he's seven-time Pro Bowl. I don't know how many All Pros. Okay, mm-hmm. um, started in this league for what sixteen years. Uh, started for a team that went to the Super Bowl. Was a reserve for a team with the Buccaneers at the end of his career that won a Super Bowl. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> what what more did he have to prove? Let's see. Lomas Brown was a one-time All-Pro. Seven Pro Bowl, first-team All-Pro in 95. That's it. So one second-team All-Pro didn't have a bunch of those? I do not have any second-team All-Pros listed on this pro football reference page. Okay. All right. Um, now, be- he has some non-official. Like, he is, you know, you know how they have, like, the different – Right, Sporting News has him on an All-Pro team, but I'm just going by the right. uh, the uh, uh, the official AP ones. It looks like he has two second-team AP All-Pro, uh, 91 and 94. He was first-team in 95. And how many total years as a starter? Uh, it's got to be about 15 years, right? Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years. And then he did his 18th year with Tampa. He was not a star. Right, right. I mean, I, I don't know what more he had to prove. I really don't. And, you know, I remember when the uh, the Giants signed him, you know, they, they had allowed Roman Oban to sign with uh, Cleveland, and they signed Lomas Brown. And, in effect, it became a trade because – the one free agent went there. The other free agent came here. Right. So it was really they traded 
Lomas Brown for Roman Oban. And what I wanted to say to him, too, by the way, and I decided not to get into it, but I'm like, you know, everyone completely, oh, Barry Sanders had no offensive linemen in front of him. I'm like, no, Barry Sanders had a couple of offensive linemen in front of him that could play. Like, <laughs> Barry Sanders just didn't run through holes. He just created his own holes and he ran around like a lunatic because nobody could catch him because he was so quick. Um, okay, first team all pro once, yeah. second team four times. Again, if it's you're going to AP, it's only twice, second team. But so they have like sporting news in there and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, 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 I'm sorry. I just feel I feel very strongly about it. Now, here's what I will tell you: by the time he got to the Giants, he'd already been in the league quite a while, mm-hmm. and um, the Giants would have been his fourth team, I believe. By that point, he had already played with Detroit, Arizona, and Cleveland. Detroit when Arizona. he got to the Giants, yeah, he was only Cleveland for one year, right? Mm-hmm. So he comes to the Giants, and the Giants sign him. And at, by this point, now he was, when he came into the league, he was one of the bigger offensive tackles in the game. But by the time he got to the second part of his career and the tackles were getting bigger and burlier, he was actually losing weight, and he became a technician. Yeah, 6'4", 280 is what he's listed at right. on Pro Football Reference. When he, yeah. when he came into the league, he was known as one of the bigger guys. But he, he, he trimmed down got more svelte because he knew as he got older, you needed to have more uh, athleticism. He became the ultimate technician. And then the 2000 season, and I kid you not, John, I had him down for only a sack and a half. And I campaigned long and hard that last month of the season telling everybody this guy's got to go to the Pro Bowl. He has had a great, great season. Kerry Collins would tell you, if Kerry were here, that you know he was just a huge reason why Kerry was able to, to lead that team to the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, then the following season, unfortunately, age started to catch up with him. And in the 2021 season, age caught up with... 2001. 2001. It caught up to Lomas Brown. It caught up to Glenn Parker. Uh, Dusty Ziegler, who was the center on that team, wound up having a serious knee injury. And that kind of sidetracked his career. He, He was basically done at that point. And that line got old very, very quickly. They they got all the juice out of that orange in the 2000 season, and Lomas was what a throw! You can you could people who don't know him, if you could listen to him on this program, that smile that's coming through the telephone is infectious. What a fun, happy-go-lucky, great person to be around. Just just a thrill to be around that guy, and maybe that's part of the reason why I'm so behind him for the Hall of Fame. But I do think his record speaks for itself. So how you been? Great seeing you, John. I mean, it's good to uh, be back. It's you know, you know, we were off last week. I'm aware, and I, I messaged you guys. Uh, it's it's no wonder I didn't bash my head against the wall because I was going nuts. Pearson need to recharge his batteries. I we know want, we want a Pearson at full power when we get into the season. And if you don't recharge your batteries, not everyone is a lunatic <laughs> like you. We need to get a little time away. I know. I we know. Need to recharge. We I need know. to Pearson at 100. percent so he gets so he's not likely to tap out like in week four. It's funny that Paul's batteries recharge in the building. Yes, that is, <laughs> yes, that is true. That is true. Well, here's the thing. You know, I wanted to come down here last week, and I know we were told we're not supposed to be in the building. It was supposed to be closed, right? I wanted to come down and help them construct the uh, tents outside for training camp because they're already out there. You know, the the, the kid, folks. I know you you can't wait to get here. They've started constructing the tents and the bleachers outside, so you're going to be able to watch training camp. And I, I, I was so, so just dumbfounded by this week off. I almost wanted to come down and help. Looks like pre-COVID. It looks like pre-COVID. Yeah, it does. It looks like it. 
I mean, we got a couple of weeks yet to get everything square, but it looks uh, it looks like it's going to be a full blast. Yes, I just mean visually, the way the stands look and everything like yeah. that. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it should be good. The grass is marvelous. Rob did a great job with the field. I mean, it's not lined yet, but it looks, it's really nice. Anyway. Um, so any, anything jump out at you from the previews you guys have done so far? You know what, John? This will not surprise you because we know what the league is and how every year there's like five teams that didn't make the playoffs the year before suddenly make the playoffs this, you know, the next season. Right. I'm getting the sense from talking to the folks that we've done up to this point that there's going to be an awful lot of parity again, or as I like to say, the, you know, the quicksand of mediocrity. I'm not so sure that everybody's going to be able to predict the playoff teams again this year. So you guys have done Tennessee, right? Carolina. Yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Green Bay, mm-hmm. Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and Baltimore? Mm, yes, sounds right. That's yes. right. That's right. Have you done Seattle yet? No, Seattle's on Wednesday. We've not done Seattle yet. We okay. had to flop Seattle and Detroit. Oh, Lomas could do today, so we had to get him today. That's perfect. Um, here's what I will say, John. Oh, and let me guess. You guys did Carolina pre-Baker Mayfield trade, right? Yes, so we had no choice. You throw that in the garbage can. <laughs> we had no choice. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. You had no idea that was going to happen. And by the way, I don't want to tap, pat myself on the back. And Lance said this, too. I think we all said it, actually, that that was always the spot that made the most sense for him it to did. wind up at. It did. Um, you know, I, I think— And now, by the way, the Panthers are dangerous because they have a really good defense. And if Baker is good, you know, he's going to be great. If he's just a, you know average-level NFL starter, that's going to be a pretty good team. It will be interesting on the basis of the money. Now, they're paying him five mil. Okay. The Browns picked up the rest of it. Browns picked up the rest of the and money. They still only had to give up a conditional and, fifth round pay cut. And oh, and man. then Baker took a four million dollar pay cut on top of it. Well, because so, the Panthers right up against the cap. That's right. why that was such a difficult thing to so do. So the Panthers are only on the hook for five mil this year. So here's the thing. Darnold, I believe, is making nineteen million this year. Yeah, I don't think it matters though, because both guys are free agents after the year. So, so. The, my my question is though, the Giants play them week two. Is there a feeling with that coaching staff, and maybe we should get the Panthers guy back on at some point because we we obviously need to throw out that show. Is there going to be a feeling that because of the the money they're paying Donald and because he's the holdover, does he get first shot? And if not... I think it's got to be an open competition in camp, right? I would think so. But can can Baker Mayfield do enough in August to win that job by week two? Hey, look, and, and I'm speaking from a former captain of the Sam Darnold fan club. If I'm the Panthers, I think I've seen enough. No? I would think so, too. I would think so, too. I mean, they, they wound up pulling the trigger on this deal, which tells you that Darnold is on very thin That's ice. All you, I mean, right? he might be through the ice. Maybe it is. So, and remember, neither guy is under contract past this year, so it's not like they're committed to either guy. No, no, it's just it's just a matter of okay, um, who has a good August, right? And mm-hmm. where do we feel comfortable starting? Because if Mayfield gets off to a slow start in August and he's slow picking up the offense, and let's say he doesn't look very sharp, it's kind of hard to justify starting him right out of the box. Oh yeah, well we'll have to see how they play in, in camp, obviously, but I would, no doubt. If I had to place a bet right now, I'd say it's Baker starting that game. I think he's got a better chance because, again, I've never been a Darnold guy. But the Giants will play them in week two. Yep. So one way or the other. <laughs> and unfortunately, Christian McCaffrey's probably healthy then too because. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, think about it. You got Baker, 
McCaffrey, DJ Moore is a really good player. He's mm-hmm. a really good wide receiver. Who's their second wide receiver there now? I'm trying to remember. I have to get back in the football. Oh, mode. it's the it's former not... Jet. The former Jet. What's his name? <coughs> Who's that? Robbie Anderson. Yeah, oh, Robbie, Robbie Anderson. Anderson. Robbie Thank Anderson. You. I'm not fully yeah. back in the football mode yet. I don't blame you, Joe. Yeah. So they got a night, nice, and 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 they drafted the they got uh, some kid players. at Charles Cross to play tackle. They've, they've moaned. They have a couple good offensive linemen they, now, they, and they've got some players. And we know their defense is good. They've got some players. So There's no question. That is now. You know, it's funny. Like you look at the Giants' schedule, and I just for our twenty questions and twenty days things that we're doing on the website, I yeah. just answer, I had to answer the schedule question. It's going up later today, so okay. I'm, I'm, just, I'm kind of mind on the schedule. So it's funny, the schedule is a lot easier than it was last year. It just is. Last year on the schedule, you had to face Stafford, Brady, Mahomes, Carr, Herbert. All right. <laughs> Big difference. You don't have that group on the schedule this year. <laughs> no. You have Rodgers, you have Lamar Jackson, you have Tannehill, and you have Cousins. Different type of name there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Rodgers and Lamar, fine. Super dangerous. We know it. But then, you know, it's not the same caliber of quarterback. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Two other notes that I looked at the schedule. Of the first 12 picks in the draft this spring, which means the teams with the 12 worst records in football, right? Yeah. For the Giants are playing eight of those teams. Yep. Okay? Yep. They're playing each of the teams at the top three picks in the draft. Mm-hmm. Now, this is off of last year's record. Teams improve. It gets different. Things can change. No doubt. Caveat. No doubt. But keep in mind, of those two, three teams that the three worst records at the three top picks, all three of those games are within the Giants' first 10 games of the year. Mm-hmm. From weeks two to week six, they do not play a game on another team's home field. Mm-hmm. Their only road game is in London. Here's the problem. So that tells me you get to week 11 and you get to that Thanksgiving game against Dallas, you got a real chance of being around 500. Yeah. Here's the problem. The first three games of the schedule are not easy. At Tennessee, good team. I don't think they're necessarily as good as they were offensively, losing A.J. Brown. But still a very good team. Excellent defense. Panthers we just talked about. And then Dallas is Dallas. Mm -hmm. So there's danger in those first three games where you could be looking at one and two or oh and three. But then Chicago. Green Bay and Baltimore are tough. But then then you get Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, Detroit. If you can just survive. Just survive. And I know we've had this conversation before. If those first six games... If you can get out of those first six games at two and four even, and then you get Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, Detroit, you could be in around 500 heading into Thanksgiving. And if you ever go three and three, you can maybe be looking at six and five. It, it comes down to, for me, John, as, as I've always said, the first four games, you got to come out a minimum of two and two. Now, you told about the first three, but I'm extending it to four with Chicago. I believe the Giants need to go to London no worse than 2-2. Two and two. Well, so here's the thing. Here's the deal then. Because and if look, they can do that, and I think it's possible. Sure. I mean, look, you're hosting Chicago. Chicago, in my opinion, has one of the three worst rosters in the league. It's and a I think bad roster. If you listen to our preview show, I think you can feel they good about it. playing the Bears. They know it. <laughs> Fine. Because even if Justin Fields is good, it's so bad around him, that poor kid doesn't have much of a chance this year. 
So can you pick off another game in those first three? You I think, can't start 0-3. You just can't. No question. You can't. Um, I actually felt good about the Panthers until the Mayfield trade because I do think Mayfield gives them a better chance to compete here. I would feel in better. The Giants I would feel better over. before the trade too. I agree okay. With that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's kind of altered that game a little bit for me. Um, when we talked to the Titans uh, uh, representative on our program, he had some real questions about where they are right now. Offensively, mostly, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. Because their defense is, yeah. is pretty good. Yeah, but offensively. No, that's fair. I agree. And, and he actually said, I hope the Titans aren't sleeping on the Giants. Because he said, if they are, it could be dangerous. Usually you don't sleep your first game of the year, though. Well, the Usually thing, you're coming out, you're kind of excited. Well, <laughs> the, the, the thing he was talking about wasn't so much about opening day and the atmosphere and the emotion about opening day. He was talking more about Kafka, Martindale, oh, Dable. Right. Yeah. Don't don't fall asleep on those guys because we know from a coaching perspective, these guys are schematically incredibly innovative. Well, Vrabel should be very familiar with all three of those guys. He given should his be experience, and yeah. and and he should also know that they are very complicated right, and sure. aggressive, mm-hmm. and and you just don't know what those game planners are going to be able to do with this talent in this particular building. Well, and, and, and now we go back to the old thing, right? It's mystery again. Is it's it, a mystery. Is it an advantage because the other team doesn't know what you're doing? Or is it a disadvantage because maybe your guys don't know what they're doing yet either? Right. <laughs> Which one is it, right? Flip the coin, right? You just don't know. Right. Uh, he he did seem to indicate, though, he's, and, and we all know this, week one is a prime week for upsets in the NFL. Oh, always. Because everybody sure. thinks they know what these teams are, and it turns out you really don't. And no, 100%. So, so I got the sense from our Titans guy that he's concerned about a possible upset there. And I even went as far as at the end of the show to say, hey, that's your upset special. Um, I just think that it's not unrealistic to expect a minimum of two and two out of the first four games going to London. Well, you have to. I mean, because look, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, that's going to be a, a tough pull. It's, it's, it's a, a mountain. Pull. It's and a mountain. The Ravens, it's a tough pull. They're a good football team. Good football team. Tough, tough game. So... Look, if you're too, I hate to say, if you're, yeah. Look, you, you're right, Paul. You have to, you, you gotta to get two wins. Out, you have to look in the I, first four. You have to. Yes, you have to figure out a way to get two. And I, I don't think that's too much to ask. No, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. So, but that's you, where but we're at. You have to play well. Um, it is clear from talking to the folks and anyone out there. If you want to go to the archive. You oh, can please. hear we've yeah. had we've had great guests on as we always do. We try to get the people from the broadcast crews of each of the teams because they know the teams better than anybody. Um, and it's obvious that Jacksonville has a lot of holes and a lot of turnover. I could see them being improved this year. Though. They'll be better. I'm not saying eight or nine wins, but I can see them winning six or seven. We think they'll be better. Yeah, uh, but it, I still think the Giants can feel favorable about that game. Well, let's be honest. It all depends on what Trevor... I mean, if Trevor Lawrence becomes what people think he was going to be... Well, if then, he's Justin Herbert out of the box, <laughs> then they're going to be good. Um, obviously, Seattle has a lot of trouble, and we will talk more about Seattle on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't, I don't think their roster is very good. But it's not good. So, you know, and then the other benefit to the Giants, and you mentioned the stretch with Houston and Detroit, the other stretch is... The other uh, point to make during the stretch is there's a bye week in the middle right, of the which, if the Giants are nicked up, that's the time to get your second wind. Right. So, look, I discussed this with, with, with a lot of folks, and I don't know, John, if you and I did the show when the schedule maker uh, 
finally released the schedule. No, I, I, I was, I was in here. I, I was gone by then. Okay, mm-hmm. I will tell you, you know, and I do a logistical, strategical breakdown on the schedule, similar to what you were just talking about in the mm-hmm. last ten minutes. I graded this out to be the most favorable giant schedule that I've seen in about ten years. I totally agree. I mean, it. There, there are really no landmines here. Oh, NFC South. NFC North. I mean, rather, NFC North and, and AFC South. I mean, those are two of the weaker divisions in the league. I'll tell you what. It ain't the AFC West that they had to play no, last year. No, it ain't and, that. and it's not just the opponents, but it's where the bye week is, yeah. where the travel is, um, how the home games are spread out, how the road games are spread, um, who you're playing off coming off of the, uh, the long trips. They got they got the bye week after the road game in Seattle. They you know, I mean, there's a lot of things here that logistically remove potential landmines that a schedule could throw at you. This this is to me from a coaches and players perspective about as good a schedule as the Giants could have had. I agree. So now it's just up to them now to go do what they need to do. Because if you don't perform, it doesn't matter what the schedule is. you so, got to get it done. So how has it been keeping Lance under control? Has he been okay? You know, Pearson, t- has Lance, has he been okay? Yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> Silence. No comment from Pearson. That's okay. He doesn't want to get in trouble. You know, you know Paul, the little guys like to stick together. It's okay. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> No, I look, I appreciate, you know, Lance does such a good job with the serious NFL radio folks. And I appreciate the fact that he likes to build up everybody around the league because, and by the a, way, he he's also, a pro league guy. He also did a great job getting all those college coaches. Oh, from the draft. wonderful. Fantastic. Really good mm-hmm. stuff. Herman Edwards. I mean, I've not gone to that one yet. It's on my list. You can't, you can't listen to Herman enough. He's a great listen. Now, whether or not you think he's a great head coach, you can debate that all you like, but he's a great listen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, he, he some real fun stuff to, to, to talk about with, with all those coaches. So he did a real fine job with those, but I, I do think that ultimately when push comes to shove, um, when the giants get to training camp and the question I'm going to ask you right now, John, yeah, I know we're running out of time. No, we're okay. Um, one of the things I want to ask you, and you know, me, I'm a big proponent for getting some more snaps out of your veterans and your regulars, especially in a new system with a lot of turnover an offensive line. Mm-hmm. I'm very pro getting those guys as many snaps as you think you can while maintaining some sense of safety and understanding of the risk. Well, and I don't think there's going to be quite as many joint practice sessions as we've had the last couple of years either. So you're not going to have as many of those. Well, we know the Jets. Right. But we've been, they did two last year. Right. So you're not going to have quite as many. But I, I, do you have a side of the coin on this one? I think you have to I think you have to trust that the coaches will know what their guys need. And it's hard for me from the outside looking in, even being in the building, to be like, all right, well, I think this guy needs this many snaps. Well, maybe the coaches know about a nick. Maybe the coaches know about something where they're like, Oh no, we've seen this guy in the meeting room, he's great. He gets it, he knows it in practice, he gets it, he knows it. So I I think I have to in that situation trust the coaches to to know who needs what to get where you need to go. But I tend to fall on the side of don't let these guys get hurt in meaningless preseason games. 
because nothing Understood. can flush your season worse than a guy stepping on a foot, you know. I know. And twisting an ankle or, you know, popping an Achilles or falling down on a deep pass and popping an ACL. And it just destroys your season for a game that doesn't matter. So I tend to go towards that generally. But you're right. Younger team. New coach. Complicated offensive system. I'm not sure if you've listened to any of the player interviews I've done, Paul. Mm-hmm. To a man. Mm-hmm. It's John. Like, and You know they're you, not smoking. These are audio interviews, right? But I'm sitting there looking at these guys <laughs> in person. And, and like Sterling Shepard's like, dude, like it's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> And he's an older player, right? Gilbride had a very complex system. Yeah, correct. And I think this has a lot of mm-hmm. you know, sounds like it. option routes. Sounds like, like it. that. That's a little bit more complicated. So I could see why you would want to do that. Because we talked about it, right? Tennessee's got a really good defense. Carolina's got a really good defense. I could argue Dallas's defense might be better than their offense at this point with the guys they've lost. So... Those are three really good defenses out of the gate. If and you've got to win one of those games. If your offense is flailing around, you don't know what's going on, that could be a big, could be a big problem. You can't, no, you, John, I feel you. I know. Can't I, be 1-3 and three or 0-4 out of the box. So look, can't here, be. Here's the thing, and this will, this might sound like a cop-out in 2020 hindsight and You're going to wait and see is what yeah, you're going to do. Yeah, I'm going to wait and see. <laughs> Hells yeah. <laughs> All right. That's that. You know what? But because, that's door number three. That's that's right. an option. That's door number three. That's fine. To me, look, if you get to these preseason games and the coaches think that the guys need it, they should play them. If the I, guys, if the coaches think they're good, then they shouldn't play them. I would, I would say this, and I may be fool for saying it, but Glowinski's a veteran. Feliciano's a veteran. I know that uh, Neil's young. Thomas is young. Lemieux's young. Yeah, Thomas has had a lot of nagging injuries. I'd be careful with him. Okay. But the other two guys are very, very grizzled in this league. Sure. They've been around a long time. They know what it takes to prepare. They've both been on playoff teams. They know what a training camp needs to be and what they need to get out yeah, of it that's true. in order to be ready for the season. I would actually consult with them. As you're going through training camp and as you're going into those preseason games. With the O-line. And I would talk to those two guys and say, hey, do you think you need two quarters tonight or this weekend? Totally agree. Do you guys need a half? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And that doesn't happen usually. By the way. Coaches don't like to consult players on on preseason snaps. They don't like to do it. He seems like the type of guy that might, though. He might. And I think it might be a good idea. And by the way, I'll throw the offensive line away. I think you got to talk to Daniel Jones and say, "Dude, like, are you good with these? Like, do you are you and yeah. Kenny Galladay? Are you guys ready? Like, you and Wandell and you and you know Kadarius, are you guys on the same page? Like, you solid? Like, you know what each other are doing? Their timing's good. If if you're good, I believe you. But if you think you need it, then go he's, play. He's going to have all new tight ends. It's a whole new room. Okay, so. There's another guy you got to talk oh, to, I Daniel. Know. I'm with you. you know, and by the way, this wing system takes a lot of nuance too, with all this movement and stuff up front. So, so maybe, maybe it's not just a pure coach's decision. Maybe the coaches, if they can acquire enough trust and respect, yeah. give and take with the players during the course of of uh, the first couple of weeks of camp, maybe they actually consult the players and give the players a little input as to what they think they need to feel like they've got it down. Maybe that's the right answer. But 
to just unequivocally go to the risk factor and pull back and not play them very much, I still can't get my hands around that. But I understand that that's still a viable option for some people. I get it. That's how I feel. All right, here's what's coming this week, everybody. No show on Friday, our last summer Friday of the year. But on Tuesday, it'll be Paul Jeff and Lance. They'll be talking to Seth Payne, former defensive lineman, going over the Houston Texans. Then on Wednesday, same group, Lance, Jeff, and Paul. They'll be going over um, Seattle with Dave Wyman. He's their radio analyst Former linebacker. Yep. And then uh, me, Lance, and Jeff will be with you on Thursday doing the Vikings. I think Lance is booking the Vikings guest. Correct. So, so we'll see how that goes. And uh, then we'll close on Friday, and then we'll finish off our season uh, next week. And then uh, the players report the following week. So we are we're getting there, folks. Should be fun. Thanks for being with us. Thank you to Lomas Brown. Thank you to Paul Dottino. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.